Everyone, each year on the two Sundays following Pentecost Sunday, which we celebrated last week, the church offers to us two incredible feast days. Today, the Feast of the Most Holy Trinity, and next Sunday, the Feast of Corpus Christi Sunday, the Feast of the Most Holy Eucharist. Now, I think it's highly, or I do know, is highly intentional in the life of the church to offer us these feast days. Why? Do you get much more fundamental than the Trinity and the Eucharist? And year after year, the church gives us the opportunity to preach and teach, explain, defend, talk about these two fundamental truths of our faith, the Trinity and the Eucharist. So today, the Most Holy Trinity. Some of you have heard this before. Oftentimes, this Feast of Trinity Sunday is called the Preacher's Nightmare. The Preacher's Nightmare. If you talk to anyone who was at the 4.30 Mass last evening that I had, they'll tell you, yeah, it was a nightmare. Second crack at it, we'll give it another shot. The reason that this is known as the Preacher's Nightmare is because the Trinity, of course, is a bit of a mystery, and it's really important to use the correct terms so you don't slip into heresy. That's the main thing I want to mention. But I think calling Trinity Sunday the Preacher's Nightmare is a total cop-out. Here's why. Guys like saying that, priests like saying that, because they don't actually want to dive in to the theology and be vulnerable and preach about it in an effective way. So I'm going to do that. I don't know if it's going to be any good, but we're going to give it a crack. So first thing is this. Here's why this is so central. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that the mystery of the Most Holy Trinity is the central mystery of Christian life and faith. The central mystery of how we live as people of Christian faith and also what we believe. It doesn't get more fundamental than the Trinity. So what I want to do this morning is to use three what I find to be helpful terms, they're a bit philosophical, to try to put some language on this teaching about the Trinity. Here are the three terms. Substance, person, and relation. Like I said, philosophical, yes, but as I said last week, you're smart people, we can dive in. Substance, person, relation. First, what is a substance? Well, why do we talk about that word when we're talking about God, the Most Holy Trinity, one God, three persons? Here's why. We believe in one God, not three, we're not tri-theists, not many, we're not polytheists. We are monotheists, meaning we believe in one God. In a few moments with the creed, we're going to all say that together. I believe in one God. Good. That one God is one. One divine substance. Now, back to the word substance. What is a substance? No, not nicotine. What is a substance? It is what something is. It is the nature of a thing. It is the essence of a thing. I used to use the term, it is the isness of a thing. It's what something is. This right here is an ambo. It has amboness. That's an altar. It has alterness. It's what it is. Those guys back there, they're seminarians. In a few minutes, if I slip into heresy, they lift up a red card, and they carry me out, saying, heretic, 
How am I doing so far? Good. Paid them to do that. The point is, everyone, substance is what something is. The isness of a thing. The essence of a thing. Now, let's transition. When we talk about the Father, what is the substance of the Father? God. What is the substance of the Son? God. What is the substance of the Holy Spirit? God. And guess what? They don't all three have one-third of this divine substance, right? It's not like the Father's got one-third going on, the Son's got one-third going on, the Holy Spirit's got one-third going on. You put it together, and what do you get? Boom, God, no. All three persons, fully God. Fully God. Each of the three divine persons is, essence, the divine substance. Okay. One down, two to go. Second, person. That these three divine persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are truly distinct from one another. Okay? Even though they're one, they're truly distinct. Let me explain. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. I think I got all six. You can't go that direction. They are not the same. There is a distinction among them. Now, that begs the question then. What is the distinction between the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? What is the distinction? And here it is. Ready? They are distinct in terms of their relationship with one another. Okay? That brings us to the third word. See how fast this goes? Relationship. Relation. They are distinct in regard to their relationship with one another. Now, I'm going to use an example that you have never thought of in your entire life, I can guarantee you. What is my relationship with this Ambo? I told you, you've never thought of that. If you have, I know people who can help. <laughs> There's good people. What is my relationship with this Ambo? Have you ever thought of it? No. Guess what it is? I am standing behind the ambo. That's my relationship with this ambo. Ambo here, me here. I'm six foot two. I'm a bit taller than the ambo. So I'm above the ambo. That is my relationship with the ambo. In a few moments here, if this doesn't go better, I'm going to crawl inside of the ambo. And you'll say he's lost it. He's inside the ambo. What happened at mass? Father was in the ambo. Really? Yes. That's my relationship with the ambo. Behind above, maybe inside? What is your relationship with this ambo? Have you ever thought of that? You're on that side of the ambo. Some of you are 20 feet, some of you are 100 feet. You have a relationship with the ambo. What is it? Well, where are we going with this? Hang on. Everyone, this term relation, relationship, I use some silly examples there. This term relationship, is used to designate 
that the distinction between Father, Son, Holy Spirit lies in their relationship of each person to the other. Let me say that again. The term relationship is used to designate that the distinction between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lies in the relationship they have with each other person of the Trinity. So, that begs the question, what is the relationship between God the Father and God the Son? And you're saying, I don't know. Actually, you do know, because you say it every Sunday in the Creed. What is the relationship between the Father and the Son? Rather than me saying it, let's let the Council of Nicaea say it. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. What is the relationship between the Son and the Father? The Son is begotten by God. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being, consubstantial, as we say now, with the Father. What is the relationship between the Father and Son? Pay attention to the Creed. We say it. What is the relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Again, the Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son is adored and glorified. Why do we say we glorify and adore the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is God. So everyone, this whole Trinity thing, we actually say it. We profess it. We say it with our own mouths. That's what the Trinity offers to us. Like I said, highly technical, but we're high flyers here, aren't we? That's how we roll at St. Mary's. We're high flyers. Now, let me end with this on a practical level. What does God offer you? A relationship. With whom? Which, with each person of the most holy trinity. Without separating them. Right? That we glorify the Father through the Son in the Holy Spirit. Isn't it incredible that God in his tremendous goodness to us would allow us, permit us, grace us with the ability to have a relationship with each person of the most holy trinity. You know, we say all the time that through baptism, what happens? God dwells in us. Do you know what else happens in baptism? We now share in the life of God. We share in what's going on on the God level of the world. We are invited to enter into that. You have normal pastimes, I don't. One of my favorite pastimes is to listen closely to the prayers of the Mass. I told you, you don't do that, at least not as a pastime. I love to listen closely to the prayers of the Mass and to say, to whom is this prayer being directed? Almost every time, do you know who it's being directed to? God the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. Listen sometime. Do you know what else the prayers also often offer, invite us to enter into? That we may be partakers in the divine life of God, shares in the life of God. So yes, God comes to us, but more importantly, through baptism, through grace, through the sacraments, we share in the divine nature of God. I don't know how life could ever be boring with that going on. 
It is the most exciting thing we will ever do, ever, to share in the life of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.